Amen. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, God, we uh, turn to you now wanting to hear uh, your voice, wanting to have our minds and our hearts fully focused on you, to have our, uh, our thinking and our feeling and our doing, to have all of these things shaped by uh, what your word says, Lord, how we look at ourselves, how we look at one another, how we look at you, how we look at history, how we look at the present, how we look at the future, Lord. We want all of these things to be rooted in what your word says. And so we pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that you would help us and strengthen us. In his name, if you agree, say amen. Amen. So as I mentioned, as we get started here in our series in the book of Genesis, we're going to be going through uh, chapter one and chapter two quite slowly uh, because there's so many sort of foundational things that, that we need to think about. This idea that God has created human beings in their, or sorry, in his image. He created Adam and Eve in his image. Now, I want you to think right now and if you would allow me to just ask you to close your eyes right now and picture Adam and Eve in your mind. Do you have that picture? These are the first human beings ever created. What did Adam and Eve look like? Where does your mind go when you picture Adam and Eve? What, what color is their skin? What's the shape of their eyes? What's the color and the texture of their hair? Do they have the same skin color? Do they have the same shape eyes? Do they have the same color and texture of hair? You know, skin color is an interesting, an interesting aspect of the image of God. Skin color oftentimes is something we, we just get dead wrong. We see someone with a certain skin color and we assume all kinds of things, don't we? Whether it's intelligence or athletic ability or social and moral behavior, godliness, punctuality, ability to dance. We look at someone's skin color and we think, yeah, no. We, we automatically make these kinds of assumptions. And as many as... As, as numerous as the different skin colors are in this room, I, I wonder how numerous, or how different are different visual conceptions of what Adam and Eve look like. I wonder, and I wonder why that is. In children's Bibles that we grew up uh, reading, or just our own parents, or, or our own church upbringing or background, what did Adam and Eve look like. We're going to be talking this morning about being made in the image of God and our skin color. Skin color and the image of God. And I'm going to ask for some 
extra grace this morning because if we dive into this topic, we're diving into a topic that is massively broad. Uh, this, this has been uh, an issue uh, in, in humankind throughout all of history and across all geography. The, the issue of skin color is, is, is not just something that has happened recently or at a period in the past or in one certain location, but it is a very, very broad topic. Secondly, this topic is highly complex. It involves historical context, it involves cultural analysis, it involves economics, it involves politics, it involves schooling and employment, and all of these things are interconnected and integrated with one another. And so this topic is broad, it's also complex. And every little situation and, 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 and circumstance is highly nuanced based off of number of factors. It's broad, it's complex, and then it's also personal. We're not just talking about something that's, you know, academic. I wonder if, or what would it be like if? No, no, we're, we're talking about something that is very, very real. And how image bearers relate to one another based off their skin color is an everyday reality. So it's broad and it's complex. And it's personal. And some of the complexity and some of the personal nature of dealing with skin color happens right here at Hope Church. Sometimes things get said on purpose or by accident, with malicious intent or, with, or completely not on purpose at all that are hurtful or that are confusing. Sometimes things get posted in the newsletter or social media or they're prayed for at the front and you, sometimes you wonder, why are we talking about that and not about this? Why did you post on that issue but not this issue? And again, it can become hurtful, it can become confusing. This image of skin color and the image of God. But as we covered last week, every single human being on earth, whether they are male or female, whether they are young or old, whether they are mentally or physically able or disabled, regardless of their skin color, all are made in the image of God. And all were given the same joys and privileges that are outlined in the passage that Irini read for us. They we're all called to have dominion. Collectively, we are, we are to have dominion over this world. Not, not to have one group have dominion over another. So as image bearers made in the image of God, part of seeing other human beings as image bearers means that we see other image bearers with different skin color from us. We, we see people's skin color. That's not all we see. We aim to see their heart. We aim to see how their experience with their skin color has shaped their heart and how they view the world and how they, they view themselves and maybe how they view you. But part of loving our neighbor is seeing our neighbor's skin color. Loved ones, skin color is not insignificant. It is part of God's ultimate design and plan for humanity. Skin color is not insignificant, but also it's not ultimate. 
it, it's not the only thing or even the most important thing that defines someone's identity. It's the, it's the image of God in all of us that defines our ultimate identity. So there are, uh, there are three sort of broad categories that I'd like to, to, to talk about the implications of uh, the image of God and skin color. And the first one has to do with identity. So let's initially talk about uh, identity and our skin color. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So all of us have been made in the image of God. We all came from Adam and Eve. We all have the same parents. We're, we're all part of this very, very large extended family. We all came from the same parents. Turn over to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 20. Just one page over, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 20. This is uh, after the fall. Adam names his wife. It says in Genesis 3 verse 20, the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. That's what Eve means. It means living or life giver. Eve is the mother. She's, she's all of our mother. She is the mother of us all, the mother of all living, all people from all places and all skin colors. We all have the same mother. We all came from Eve. Think about the Apostle Paul when he was witnessing on, on Mars Hill. Here's this Jewish Christian trying to find some common ground with some non-Jewish, non-Christians. And look at what he says in Acts chapter 17. It says, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything, and then Paul says, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth. We all have the same ancestors. And one of the reasons why we struggle with the idea of identity as it relates to skin color is because we use flawed scientific terms from the 1800s to try to explain our everyday experience. We, we, we use this dated, incorrect, scientific they had no concept of DNA. They had no, no idea of human genome. They had no idea. And so they just created this idea, oh, there's different races. And then they applied it to the theory of evolution, saying that some races are stronger or superior. That's all flawed. It's all wrong. And we're still using those terms. We've got to be done with those terms and start using biblical terms. There's, there's several articles in the back of the ESV study Bible, five or six uh, of the best biblical scholars uh, wrote these articles on biblical ethics. And this is what, this is one, what one of the articles says as it relates to, uh, to skin color. It says, DNA studies do not indicate that separate classifiable subspecies or races exist within humans. They don't exist. 
While different genes for physical traits such as skin and hair color can be identified between individuals, no consistent pattern of genes across the human genome exists to distinguish one race from one another. You look at one person with one eye shape and skin color and hair texture, they are 99.9% the same genetically as someone who has a totally different eye shape or skin color or hair texture. 99.9. You could, you, could be, you could be standing beside someone who has the same eye shape and the same hair texture and the same skin color and think, I must genetically have more in common with this person who looks the same as me. But when you actually do the DNA research, you could be more genetically linked to someone who looks nothing like you. The article goes on uh, to say, the human race, starting with Adam and Eve, has always included not only genetic variations of eye color, height, and facial appearance, but also of skin and hair color now associated with different racial groups. At some early point when people began migrating to various parts of the earth, some variations within the one human gene pool became geographically isolated from other variations so that people living in what is now Northern Europe came to look more like each other and different from people living in what is now Africa or Asia or North America. The article goes on to say, modern genetic studies show that when a lighter skinned person has a child with a darker skinned person, none of their children will have skin darker than that of the darkest parent. This means that if hereditary transfer of skin color has operated in the same way from the beginning of human history, then the genetic variety in skin color, which is a very tiny difference from the standpoint of human genetics, must have existed from the very beginning. This suggests that Adam and Eve's children would have likely had different skin colors. And that Adam and Eve would have likely had different skin colors as well. We weren't there. <laughs> we don't have photographs of Adam and Eve. But our, to our best understanding of how genetics work is that Adam and Eve likely would have had different skin colors and that, and that Cain would have had a different skin color from Abel and different from Seth and, and on and on it would go. That we have far more in common as image bearers. So here, here's the truth, theologically, we know we all come from the same parent. Genetically, <laughs> we all know that we have way more in common than, than what would actually separate us. So theologically and genetically, we, we know how we ought to think about our skin color. But life isn't just theology and genetics. There is theology and there is genetically, but what about experientially? That, that's where the rubber hits the road. We might believe the right theology and sure, we'll believe what the, what the scientists are telling us, but what about my everyday experience living in my skin? Well, what do I do with that? How can I carve out my identity and how does my experience 
form part of my identity. I, I'm thankful for uh, Isaac Adams' excellent book talking about race. He says, nothing about our identity, our gender, our class, or our ethnicity determines our status or rank in God's kingdom. We were all created to have dominion. We were all created in the image of God. That doesn't mean we lose those parts of our identity when we become Christians or that those parts are no longer important or real, but that those parts or our identity are not ultimate. They are, it's, our skin color is not insignificant, but our skin color is not ultimate. Our identity is determined, first and foremost, that we are image bearers, that we are made in God's likeness, created in his image. And then for those who are followers of Christ, it's not just that we're made in the image of God, but that we've been adopted into his family. So it's important to think about skin color and the image of God as it relates to identity. Our skin color can't be the primary way in which we shape our identity. It can be part of our identity, but it can't be the ultimate basis for our identity. Theologically and genetically, we just have too much in common with other human beings. So then let's talk about the, 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 the next issue as it relates to image of God and our skin color. Let's talk about unity, the unity within the church. How is it that a, a church like this, as you look around, you see all the different varieties of uh, skin color. How is it that a church can remain united, especially living in a world where many people de determine that skin color is their primary identity? And that their experience as, as, as having a certain color of skin is what determines their identity. And some people say that their, their identity with their skin color is so important that it makes them better than people with a different skin color. That they're somehow supreme over other image bearers and look down on and hate people with a different skin color. Those people aren't just saying that they're superior to other image bearers. They're saying that they're superior to the God who made them that way. How can we be united in a world that is continually trying to divide over the issue of skin color? And many people respond to those who think that they're better or supreme over other other skin colors by, by emphasizing skin color all that much more, all the more. That rather than emphasizing what we have in common, continually dividing into more and more groups. How many groups are there? How many races are there? Are there five? Are there 20? Are there 30? What? what, what? How do you know the difference as you move sort of geographically around, around the world? How do you know when one skin color stops and another skin color starts? What are the, what are the boundaries? How do we establish? You can't carve out your identity based off your skin color. One of the challenges that we face as it relates to unity when it comes to issues of skin color 
is, if one of them is just vocabulary. A word like racism. Racism is a word that I think all of us can agree on when we use the term racism. It involves hatred, hating another person because of the color of their skin, thinking that someone is inferior because of the color of their skin. So there's, there's sort of one very narrow definition of racism that most people agree with, but, but then there's racism is also used to describe a couple of other things. So there, you have flat out hatred or, or supremacy or thinking that another group is inferior to you, but then you have prejudice, which is, just means to prejudge. You look at someone and you, you automatically assume something. It was, it's not because you hate them, you just, you just thought that. You might, you totally thought wrong, but it wasn't sinful. That gets categorized as, as racism. Then there's, you know, stereotyping. And, and, then there's, and then there's just flat out just insensitivity where people don't take the time to learn about someone or someone's background and they say something that's, again, it's not rooted in hatred. It's not rooted in a sense of superiority or inferiority. It's just insensitive. It's still hurtful. But the term racism is sometimes used to encapsulate all of those things. And so two people are talking to one another and saying, I think what you just did is racist, but they think they mean this kind of racist or they think they mean this kind of racist. And we need to define the terms with one another. We, we need to figure out what, what do we mean? Just like, just like when you're watching uh, the World Cup, right? There's a, hopefully none of you are watching the World Cup right now. <laughs> but there's, right, you can get a red card. Like you can do something on the pitch where you get a red, sometimes you get a red card. You did it on purpose. It was malicious. You wanted to hurt the other player. Another time, you were just working hard, weren't really thinking, and, and, but you still get a red card. Other times, you get a yellow card because it wasn't as a severe. Sometimes, it's even more severe, and you need to be eliminated, not just from that game, but from the next game and the game after that. But then there's other things that you do on the pitch, and it's just a free kick. And then there's other things where the referee just says, just play on. There's different levels of, 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 do you see what I'm saying? And in the same way, when it comes to how we relate to one another and, and our experiences with skin color, we need to understand that there's different, there's different levels. And we just got to make sure that we're not immediately labeling what someone has done or not immediately excusing it. if someone uses a label to describe our behavior, to, to follow up and say, well, what do you, what do you mean by that? Do you mean that I was being hateful or do you mean that I was just being insensitive or that I just didn't, I just didn't know? Help me to, to understand. So vocabulary is very, very important. History is very, very important. We need to understand that there's a historical context behind a lot of this. And we, we need to be done with the notion that, well, well racism was, was a sin that happened a long time ago at a different time and it's been solved now. That's not true. We, we can't say lying was a problem, you know, 50 or 60 years ago. No, lying is still, a, people still lie. People still commit adultery. People still steal. Racism is a sin. Thinking that you're superior or hating people based off their skin color is a sin. 
And it was, a, it was a sin then, and it's still a sin now. As long as there are human beings here on earth, there will be sin. All kinds of sin. So don't think that it's limited to a certain period of history. Also don't think that it's limited to a certain geography. Oh, well, over in that place, I know that there's lots of issues related to skin color, and there's lots of hatred, but, but not here. No, it can happen here as well. Sin is not localized. Wherever the human heart is, wherever human beings are, there is the capacity and the opportunity for sin. So we got to understand vocabulary, we got to understand history, we got to understand geography, and lastly, we got to understand diversity. Because sometimes we can get into our minds that only certain people can sin as it relates to skin color. That only certain people with a certain skin color can sin against other people. With a, Some people are, are, are immediately labeled oppressors and some people are immediately labeled victims. That's not a healthy way to view the world either. Don't assume that a certain people with a certain skin color will always think or act the same way or have the same... Ex- Don't universalize your experience. Aim, you know, recognize someone's skin color, but aim to see their heart. Neil Shenvey uh, brilliantly reminds us that Christian doctrine of sin teaches that human beings are united in their rebellion against God. We share a solidarity in sin just as we share a solidarity in the Imago Dei. Again, the way the world tries to handle issues related to skin color is, is, is these solidarity groups, that we group everyone together and that there's this common experience and this common voice that people of this skin color all think the same, they, they don't all think the same way. They don't have that kind of solidarity. And, and Shenvi outlines three areas where we, all human beings have solidarity, the image of God, and then, and then the, the reality that we're all sinners. We all have the capacity to sin. And then he talks about we all are in need of a savior, and that's, that's ultimately what, what brings Christians together. Isaac Adams, again, is so, uh, so helpful. He says, racism is a sin that anyone can commit against anyone. There's a temptation to obsess over the sins of the other side that causes us, often without realizing it, to become self-righteous and narcissistic. If we give in to this temptation, we will wrongly shame others and tear down those who don't agree with us, those who don't fit into our ideological cult. Think about the the, the parable that Jesus told, right, where, where the Pharisee is praying at the same time as the tax collector. And the Pharisee is saying, thank you, God, that I'm not like other men. Oftentimes when it comes to skin color and we think about the way that other people talk or the way that other people behave or we think that we think how people think. And we start to say, oh, I'm so glad I'm not like, not like those people. God protect us from that. And may we be more like the tax collector. We might not struggle with, the, with that particular sin, but we know that we have other sins that we struggle with. And so we, we, we can say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Because ultimately what unites us, remember, remember what Jesus said in John 12, before he went to the cross, he said, and I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. 
He was talking about when he, when he went to the cross. When, when he suffered and died on the cross, that was going to draw all people. People from all nations. People from all languages. People with all skin colors. It's Jesus that unites us. It is, it is the cross of Jesus Christ. And because it's at the cross where we, where we can find forgiveness for the sins that we have committed and where we can find strength to forgive others who have sinned against us. It's, it's Jesus. It's the cross. It's him dying as our substitute that brings us together. He brings us together and he sends us out. He says, go get more. Matthew 28, 18 and 19. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Jesus wants it. He's, he wants to draw all people to himself. Our aim as a church is, is not, just to, not, not just to stay where we are, but to continually be reaching out. Because Christ's cross draws all men to him self. How do we draw all men? How do we go and make disciples in this world? Some of you know that I'm like an avid uh, thrift shopper. I hardly ever buy anything new. Um, if you're ever at the Talees at Steel's in 410, you, chances are you'll bump into me at some point. And uh, I remember, I, I'm kind of notorious for uh, bringing, I'm thankful they have like a return policy because I'm always bringing home shirts that are like purple and pink because I think they're blue. And then Lindsay has to tell me, no, you need to go and take that back. And um, I remember I, I was in and I was looking at shirts and there was a woman on the other, like the other aisle on the other side of the rack and I didn't want to go home with another purple shirt. And so I just asked the woman, I said, excuse me, I, listen, listen, I'm colorblind. And she just kind of grimaced. Because I was just talking about being, being colorblind. <laughs> And, and she thought that I was, I was going to say something to her about skin color. She, was a, she, was, she had a different skin color than I did. She thought I was going to say something to her about skin color that needed to be prefaced by me saying, listen, I'm, I'm colorblind, where all I just wanted to know, like, is this blue or is this purple? <laughs> it was blue. Should, should Christians be colorblind? Is that, a, is that a healthy, helpful term? Is the Bible colorblind? I mean, one of, the, one of the challenges about so many of sort of the slogans or ideas that are put out there by the world is it creates a false dichotomy. It's either you're colorblind or all you see is color. Either you, you completely ignore someone's skin color or that's all that you focus on. Listen, Christian love is not blind. Christian love sees. It sees someone's skin color, but that's not all it sees. 
It sees that that person is made in the image of God and it aims to see that person's heart. And if you're gonna aim to see someone's heart, chances are there's something in their heart that's been affected by the color of their skin. And so yes, we see color, but that's not all that we see. Remember how God told Samuel to to pick a king. He said in 1 Samuel 16, the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Listen, it's not one or the other. It's both. This is how we are to love one another. If you want to love your neighbor, you have to see your neighbor's skin color because you want to be able to see your neighbor's heart. And you want to see how their experiences in their skin in this fallen world has affected their heart. So we've talked about identity. We've talked about unity. Lastly, let's talk about eternity. Uh, Eternity. Skin color in light of eternity We already learned from John chapter 12 that when Jesus went to the cross, he was going to draw all people to himself. Matthew 28 says, go and make disciples of all nations. The book of Acts tells us as the wheels get into motion, we see people starting to come to the Lord from all tribes, tongues, and nations. And then fast forward to the end, Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. Such a powerful passage of scripture. John says, after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Here we see in the big picture where all of this is heading, we see people with different languages, people from different nationalities, people with different ethnicities. We see that they're all there and that those distinctions are still there. But again, why are they there? Is the great multitude there that no one could count for everyone to say, wow, look how diverse this group is. Isn't this fantastic? No, they are there to say salvation belongs to our God. That he is the one who saved us. He drew us to himself by the cross. And he is our God. He's not the God of people with this skin color or the people with this skin color. He's our God. He belongs to all of us because we all belong to him. Salvation belongs to our God. Our God is the God of every nation, the God of every people, the God of every language, and the God of every skin color. So loved ones, we can't allow skin color to define our identity We can't allow skin color to divide our unity. And we we can't allow skin color to distract us from the goal of all of eternity. Yes, skin color is, is significant, but it's not ultimate. Yes, you will still have the, your, your, your language, your ethnicity, your skin color in heaven, but That's not the main thing to celebrate. The main thing to celebrate 
is that God came to this earth and died on a cross so that we could be forgiven and reconciled to him. That is what our ultimate purpose is. And so, loved ones, we, you know, we, we started at the beginning, Adam and Eve. We all came from the same parents. And then we fast forward to the very end in Revelation, and we see that we're all there. All the skin colors, all the ethnicities, all the nationalities, all the language groups, we're all there. So in the beginning, we all came from the same place. In the end, we're all going to be in the same place. But the challenge is, we're not at the beginning right now. And we're not at the end right now. We're in this weird middle time, right? This in-between stage, the now and the not yet. And, and God has, particularly here at Hope Church, he's brought people together from all over the place and all different skin colors and ethnicities and backgrounds and languages. He's brought us together. But we're not at the end. It's not perfect yet. And to the extent to which we get in the habit of just regularly saying salvation belongs to our God, things get on track. But when we start to, to get distracted or to focus on this or on that, or when issues come up in the news or when things happen here at the church, it's hard. It can be really hard. And we got to recognize that it's harder for some of our brothers and sisters than it is for us. And sometimes when we come alongside a brother or sister, we just want to rush them back to the Garden of Eden or rush them forward to the book of Revelation and not just, just, just for a moment, meet them in the middle. You know, when, when, when Lazarus died, and Martha comes out, and then Mary comes out, and they're all crying, and they're all confused, and they're saying theologically inaccurate things, and they're trying to make sense of what's going on, and it's all messy. What, what, is, what does Jesus do in that moment? Does he say, get over it, sister. I'm going I'm to raise him from the dead in like five minutes. Is that what he says? Is that what he does? No, he wept. He, he was fully present in the moment with another image bearer who was just utterly distraught in light of what had just happened. And he met her right there in the middle. And then he told Lazarus, hey, it's time to get up, Lazarus. But... If we are going to move forward together, we, we have to be willing just to stay in the middle a little while. Just, just to hear how someone is processing something that's happened in the news or, or something, some event that's happened, whether near or far. Or a, a, an offense that seems somewhat small to you, but you don't quite understand why it's affecting this person so deeply. Just, try, just aim to meet them in the middle. And yes, we'll eventually get to Genesis 1 and we'll eventually get to Revelation 7, but just weep with them for a while. And, and meeting someone in the middle normally doesn't happen on social media. 
It doesn't. It happens face to face. It happens up close. A skin color related headline hits, hits the news and the world says, the flesh says, how can I virtue that I am a good and moral person as quickly as possible? What slogan can I say? What can I, what can I do to show everyone that I'm a good person? That's what the flesh says. The spirit says, how can I really help? How can I really love my neighbor? How can, what can I do to actually fix this? We, we, we got to ask ourselves, regardless of, of whatever particular skin color you have, you, you got to ask yourself this, that, that when those kind of things happen, Things in the news or things in church or locally or globally, when those things happen, how comfortable are you talking about it and processing it out loud with a brother and sister in Christ who doesn't have the same skin color as you? How, how ready are you to meet someone in the middle that you don't have that immediate visual solidarity with? How ready are you to share? And then the, the other question I would ask is, is how ready would another brother and sister in Christ be ready to share with you? Someone who doesn't have the same skin color as you. Are you the kind of person that... Because in the middle, we say, like, we might have questions, we might have struggles, we might have opinions, we're still trying to figure out, it might not quite be perfect how it all gets laid out. But are, are you someone that people feel safe? You know, I can, I can talk about this with this person. I trust, I know that this person loves me. And I'm going to be able to, those are the kind of people that we want to be. We want to be the kind of people who are ready to share, ready to, to share what's in our heart. And we want to be the kinds of people that others feel comfortable sharing uh, with us. Proverbs 18.2 says, a, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Are, are we a kind of people that really truly want to understand what's happening in people's hearts and how... That individual skin color is, is, has affected the way that they see the world or what's happening in their heart. Those are the kinds of people that we want to be. Let me close today just with an encouraging word from Jasmine Holmes, who's also written a, a brilliant book uh, on uh, this subject. She says, as we cultivate environments that celebrate that diversity, I want us to do so with patience, gentleness, and love. I want us to be quicker than hear, to hear than we are to speak, to believe the best of our brothers and sisters in Christ, even when we don't quite understand where they are coming from, to take the emotionally charged rhetoric of the world and supplant it with the unifying language of biblical truth. I want us to be slower to accuse and draw lines in the sand where the word of God has done neither.
Cultural differences are beautiful, but they aren't ultimate. I see one side of this discussion clamoring to flatten the differences and the other crying out for their supremacy. Neither approach will do. Without the balancing influence of the gospel of Christ, we will become unable to empathize with other believers whose struggles and personal triumphs differ from our own. We will become unable to lay aside those differences when appropriate and embrace our sameness as blood-bought children of the Most High God. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to call you Father. We thank you that we not only are a part of this massive family that started with Adam and Eve physically and of the flesh in the image of God, we are all distant cousins uh, from one another. We thank you for that. But we thank you that in Christ, the second Adam, we are not just cousins uh, with one another who have the same earthly parents, but now we are brothers and sisters with one another because we have the same Father. And so God, I pray in Jesus' name as we think through identity, as we think through unity, and as we have our eyes on eternity, Lord God, that you would help us to be a people who may not be perfect in how we relate to one another with, and, and think about skin color. We may not be perfect, but I pray that we would be making a progress. I, I pray that we would be growing in our ability to share and to receive and to relate and to weep and to celebrate and to learn and to enjoy all that makes us unique because we know at the end of the day there is more that makes us the same than what makes us different. And so God, we thank you for your amazing love for us and your amazing plan for this world. And may we be found faithful in making disciples of all nations. Lord, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.